what advice would you give, you know, somebody who's say six to 12 months behind where you're at right now? I would say go 50 units and above and start. I mean, they say pick a throwaway market, start working there and Mm -hmm. honestly do it. Pick a city and then just write those LOIs, make those phone calls, have people hang up on you, tell you're not experienced enough and you'll figure it out. People are professional and along the way, it's probably the most accepting and helping and supportive community I've found in the professional world. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Now, this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. All right. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. We're doing something a little bit different today. This is actually a a podcast where we have a bunch of, we have a live audience today. We got several members of the Tribe of Titans community with us today. And, you know, they'll be able to, to pop their questions into the chat in the very end, be able to ask any of the questions that they want. So a hybrid event, you know, where we're merging the podcast and our Tribe of Titans. So super excited today to introduce Cody Dolan. So Cody, first of all, welcome to the show. Brian, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, what we're going to talk about today, you know, understand you recently closed on a, a 50 unit apartment complex in Brooksville, Florida. Did I, did I get that right? We are, are. We're about to close. About, about to, close. to close. OK, yes, about to close on the 50 unit apartment. Now, Brooksville, where where in Florida is that? Is that close to one of the big MSAs? Yeah, Brooksville's in the Tampa MSA. Um, mm-hmm. We're about 50 minutes flat from downtown Tampa. Okay. 550, right? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Yeah. The I, I guess the military guy in me, 550, five that's, that's anyway. Um, I think uh, Nakuma recognizes where that comes from. But uh, anyway, um, so cool. So, Brooksville, Florida, your Tampa MSA, you're about to close on 50 units. Um, before we jump into the deal, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, do us a favor. Tell us about your background and kind of walk us in, you know, where you came from to how you got into apartments. Absolutely. So where I came from is I was in um, I was in the Navy for a little mm-hmm. bit, got out in 2017 and um, went into hospitality management. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of the family trade. My mom owns restaurants. And didn't want to work for her, but thought I wanted to be in there. I was a food and beverage director at a golf resort and Mm -hmm. absolutely miserable. Uh, Okay. Got a, it was on paper, right? Great job, benefits and salary. And I realized like, wow, I don't don't think I can do this for the next 30 years. Right. Uh, And to be honest, really got into real estate then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rich dad, poor dad. And that's, I feel like so many people, right? That yep. lit, lit the spark was like, all right, we need, I need to get in real estate. I uh, quit my job. I started as a real estate assistant at a property management company, mm-hmm. got my real estate license, was selling real estate, started buying the small single family Burr properties. And mm-hmm. we were buying in Tampa. 
uh, I think we were talking before we started yep. recording, but I'm from the area. I'm from California. I was never going to buy a cash flowing property that I, um, even that I could afford. Mm-hmm. Also. Uh, now, I've got to ask the question because of where you are. You mentioned food and beverage in the golf industry. Was that in the area you're at right now? Because there's a lot of golf courses, yes, world-class sir. golf courses where you're at. Yeah, that was where I'm at here in uh, Monterey Peninsula, California. Yep. I'm from Pacific Grove, California. Yep. And um, I mean, the median home value has been above a million dollars, even since before the recession. Yeah. Uh, skyrocketed. Yeah. And, and for um, anybody who doesn't know, that's where Pebble Beach is at. I, I don't think everybody knows, you know, Pebble Beach and Monterey that, you know, and there's also, you know, come August, you know, you're going to see Lamborghinis and Ferraris. They have gigantic car shows where they turn these golf courses into, um, you know, lots where you got crazy, ridiculous cars that are all over the place. But anyway, I'm, I'm still a little jealous that you're there and I'm not, but, uh, <laughs> if that didn't come through, but anyway, go ahead, please. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's not yeah. too bad here, except it's expensive. So, um, it is. so I, I mean, it was a, it was quite the process, right. A year and a half from, all right, I'm going to, invest in real estate before we bought a property, my wife and I. Mm-hmm. And, but after teaching my sell everything long distance, I was real estate investing, uh, really got bigger pockets, right? Mm-hmm. All the books and taught myself like, all right, I had the confidence I can go buy some small properties long distance. Mm-hmm. We're buying in Tampa, great market. So it turned out well, Tampa's had a few good years of real yep. estate. Yeah. Now, now let's Go back on on your decision point. Why did you pick Tampa? And actually, let's answer that one first, and then I'll hit you up with a follow-up question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was in property management, uh, Mm -hmm. as I said, and we here in California, it's pretty big nightmare, the whole Mm -hmm. um, uh, tenant-landlord laws. And quickly, I was like, well, I'm not buying here based on that. I I saw a gentleman that owned a house probably was $650,000 that was renting it for like 2200 a month or something. Mm-hmm. And the tenant decided to stop paying. And it was two years, $80,000 for the landlord. Well, the tenants got to sit in his house, destroying it. Yeah. And um, so I kind of looked up, all right, where are some fair places, right? Mm-hmm. A big thing about uh, the whole eviction thing is people think it's like, oh, the mean landlord's coming to kick people out. In reality, you're protecting the whole community, right? Yeah. When you have tenants that flat out say, I'm not paying rent, that means they've gone past the phase of, hey, I'm having a hard time. I might not be able to pay this month. They're at the stage where they're just defiant. And when there's no ownership and where you're living, it'll it'll ruin the quality of life for mm-hmm. the other tenants as well. Yeah, it it absolutely does. I mean, we we had we saw that a little bit during COVID where we couldn't evict people and people were were not paying. And it's there's a pride in ownership, even if you're paying rent. You know, there's still a certain pride that comes with that. But once you take that away, um, you know, nobody appreciates things that are given out for free. And you know, if your if your housing's free, free, the the typical response is to not appreciate it. It's it's crazy how it works, you know. But it's I think it should be the opposite. But yeah, that's exactly how it works. And um, I think I think the state of California, you know, ugh, I, I don't want to I don't want to own any rentals there right now either. I say it's a 
places uh, that lean one way or a little might be better better to visit, right? Yeah. I want to, I want to visit and stay in the south of France, but probably not going to do a ton of real estate investing in France. Right. That's a good point. Really good point. Um, so let, let's talk. Uh, you know, transition from from single family to multifamily. What kind of lit that fire, or you know, created that spark? And how did you go about learning more about it? Well, the the original plan was my wife and I were each going to buy ten properties each, right? Mm-hmm. Our backs out our loans in over ten years, and then in ten years we're going to refinance, sell them. We'll buy an apartment building, and live mm-hmm. happily ever after. Um, it was great until kind of realized how, um, I mean, the scaling of real estate is crazy that doing the work on a $60,000 two bedroom, one bath house mm-hmm. is almost more work um, than buying an apartment building. Yes. Because, um, and it was after hitting some home runs, right? Doing the bird deals. Great. You, you, Hey, we hit our refinance number. We got to pull out cash and now we're still cash flowing. It's great, but $250 a month cash flow is nothing to, uh, it's not even going to really boost your lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. It helps long term. But realizing um, over seeing turns, right? So you mm-hmm. go through a couple of turns, you're like, well, there was two months of revenue on the entire, yeah. on my entire asset. And from there, it's like, all right, Grant Cardone says always go bigger. Yeah. Like, well, let's start looking more into this. Like, what does it mean? We've I've proven myself. I can invest in real estate long distance. Um, this opens up a lot of stuff. So we were, um, I mean, self-education, right? Read a bunch of books, started shifting the, from looking at how to birch, how do I buy small apartments? And um, through that realized there's no reason to buy small apartments. Uh, you should probably just like yeah. start, start over 20, units because uh four through 20 is honestly more of a pain in the butt than 50 through 100 yeah you know it, it takes about as much work to to run a 50 unit as it does a 15 unit and i can say that from experience because guess what i've got a 50 unit and i've got a 15 unit and you know we probably spend more time on the 15 unit because um, because you can, you know, is kind of how it is, you know, with the smaller properties, I think a lot of landlords get down into the details way too much. Well, what did Mrs. Jones say type stuff? You know, you don't even need to get to that level. And when you get into the 50 units, you still have the same, you know, you can still manage it well, but you know, you don't get down the rabbit holes nearly as much, but, uh, anyway, my two cents, I think you're, you're absolutely right. You know, if, if you want to get into apartments, you know, there there's a point where you get too big, but, you know, go go for 20 and above and, you know, get as get as big as you can get in that 20 and above uh, area, I think. So so good points there. Absolutely. I mean, we really like to the um, I mean, the expenses are paid for mm-hmm. with with smaller properties. Everything is you're pinching pennies almost right. Trying to get your your profits up. Yep. With a larger project, you have a better pro forma, you have a better sense of your expenses, mm-hmm. and they're budgeted for. They're not they're not just taken away from the cash you would be getting. Yeah. They're expected. Yep. Yeah. And it's 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 built into the price as well. So it, it's a much different market. You know, the price is based on the cash flow for the most part. 
And, you know, if you're not getting enough cash flow to cover all of your expenses, it's not worth doing the deal. And that re- that's actually reflected in the price, typically, you know, uh, in today's market, it's a little more of a seller's market. So you're paying a premium for stuff like that. But in general, you know, you're going to you're going to cash flow is, is the answer. And you're going to appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. For instance, like how how banks are not they're not going to give you a loan if it's an awful deal. Yeah. Right. So there's some hedges the bigger you go, right? There's Absolutely. Lawyers, there's insurance. Yeah. And you get, you get a lot of eyes on it. I mean, if, if the conservative bank underwriters say it's a good deal, it's probably a good deal, you know? And yeah. if they're, if they're looking at you and say, we're not even going to give you a 50% of the purchase price, you know, <laughs> guess yeah. what? It's not a good deal. But uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a really, really good point. Um, contrast single family, as long as you have the income, they're going to give you the loan. So yeah. I, I'll even tell you now, and it's, it's not the same as 2000, the early two thousands by any means, but yeah. being a realtor, I mean, over the last two years, I saw a lot of 95% LTV loans going out mm-hmm. based on income alone. Yeah. And, and is that yeah. safe? Who knows? That's not what happened. I think banks are a lot more cautious right now, even though prices have inflated, you know, the, the banks are a lot more cautious now. They're not going to repeat it. They're the same mistake. But anyway, let's let's uh, start talking about this, this 50 unit in, in Tampa. So um, let's look at, you know, the team that you got, you have uh, brought together to do this deal. Tell us how, how you brought people together and how you're working together. Absolutely. It's a great story, um, how we all came together and how I got the property. So, mm-hmm. uh, I started re- when I decided to dive full full steam ahead in multifamily, paid for mentorship mm-hmm. um, because I really had no time to waste. I felt like I was like, this is what I'm doing now. Let's go. And um, from that, I I instantly started writing letters of intent. I like mm-hmm. Googled how to write one, started writing them. And I wrote on like a 220 unit building in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And the broker got back to me. He was like, hey, man, you're new, aren't you? And I was like, uh, yeah. And he's like, okay, let me give you some pointers here. He's like, one, nobody's going to sell you a 200 billion a unit building in Tampa with no experience. And I'm yes. Like, well, thank you. Um, and he's like, but like, hey, like, I'll keep you in mind. And I was like, sure, mister. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And then a couple months later, he it's probably two months later, he sent me a property. He's like, hey, this might be perfect for you. It's 50 units. It's close mm-hmm. enough to Tampa that you can break into the market. And um, it's bite size. Like you'll be able to take it down. Um, I and I was like, hey, thank you very much. I was coincidentally in the area, went and visited it like two days later, mm-hmm. and uh, wrote up an LOI, got it accepted. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, holy cow. Um, what do I do from here what now? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, the, we, the reason I was in town is I was in Orlando for a real estate conference mm-hmm. and at the conference, um, I believe I toured the property on like a Tuesday conference was on Thursday and they had like a shark tank type deal where you could mm-hmm. pitch it to experienced investors. And I was like, I'll do this. I think it's a good deal. So mm-hmm. I did it. And then one of the guys on the panel, um, he's also, he was also my mentor, but he was Mm -hmm. like, Hey, let's talk about this deal some more. Like, is that real? I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, this is real. Let's go over the financials together, but I'm pretty sure this is a a smoking hot deal. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, you're right. Good job finding this. Um, he's like, if you need, I'll be your key principal. Mm -hmm. 
perfect. And oh. uh, anybody yeah. that's new, not a key principle is the experienced person on a on a general partner team that brings the experience for the lenders and um, kind of and the uh, real estate own shows yeah. that you are not just winging it. Yeah, yeah. And go, going back to the lenders that we talked about earlier and going one step deeper on what you just said, you know, the lenders want a, a good deal for them and they're going to be extremely conservative and they want to see that you have experience on your team running large properties, you know, and they're, they're kind of the, one of the biggest gatekeepers, brokers and lenders, the two biggest gatekeepers in the market. But the, the lender wants to see that you have experience on your team and you'll be able to actually handle the opportunity, which, um, and that's why you need the KP if you're starting out, because the lenders want you to have experience on your team and you have that, that you know, dog chasing his tail type situation where it's like, you have to have experience to get experience. You know, it's just took me a while to wrap my head around that one, but I, I get it now. So, so yeah. your, your mentor came in as KP for you. Um, and that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, one thing I, I need to say, I'm actually surprised that your broker actually explained that to you. Most of the time when, when I started out, um, brokers would probably just completely write me off when I was asking for those 220 unit deals and never respond to my emails, never respond to my texts. But you, you got a, you got a good one who actually said, look, dude, yeah, no, no business here. It was awesome. It was right. It's uh Honestly, it's that thing of not being afraid of looking stupid. Mm-hmm. You can just keep failing forward. Mm-hmm. And I would think my first two months of like dedicating to being in multifamily, I probably wrote 200 LOIs. Mm-hmm. And from that, I mean, probably 90% of the brokers blacklisted me. Yep. But I begun to get emails from brokers mm-hmm. and, and on their lists, even if they're like, if it's just put in their system, once you start getting on these brokers lists, you start getting the deals before they go mm-hmm. to public, right? And that's where you can get deal flow. Yeah. And um, it was just a big learning experience um, and drinking from a fire hose and being okay with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's actually absolutely key. You got to go into it with a growth mindset. And, you know, there, there, there's two sides of, of every coin, you know encourage people to go fast, but try to go smart, you know, and, and do a little bit of both. Um, I, I think the way that I did it is, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes, you fall forward. And I made dozens and dozens and dozens of mistakes. Um, my first offer was an email to a broker with a number in it. And the number was about a million short of the price that the, the property actually sold for. I didn't even know an LOI existed, you know, and um, I just said, Hey, how about 3.8 million? And she's like, eh, no, we're pretty sure we're going to get high force for this. I'm like, Oh crap. You know, but, uh, it was my first offer. Yeah. Um, didn't work well, but, uh, turned out well though. It did. You know, it, it, it started something. It's, it's what you said. You, you can't be afraid of looking stupid. And I probably looked ridiculously stupid to that broker, but it started something. It was action. It was, it was, it was me falling forward. And that's exactly, I, I like, I like how you put that. You fall forward, you get back up and you're two feet ahead of where you were when you fell down or okay. five feet ahead, if you can really stretch, but, uh, um, all right. So found the deal. Um, let, let's talk about, you know, deal structure. Um, are you syndicating JVing? How are you putting this deal together? We are doing a syndication. Okay. Uh, it's uh, 70, 30, 
um, okay. LPGP split. And uh, what are we raising? We're raising just shy of two million for the deal. Okay. And um, which here's another thing: future projects. We're looking a little bigger. Mm-hmm. Because we're in an odd zone where it's kind of maxing out fam- some family and friends, mm-hmm. but it's also a little too small for a lot of accredited investors. All the bigger guys, yep. And that's, um, I mean, things honestly get easier with the bigger deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've had investors look at, like my my first deal was 55 units. Um, I, I had an accredited investor look at the pitch deck and he, he literally said, I like you, I like the numbers. What I don't like is there's only 55 units. He's like, my, own per, my personal philosophy is I don't invest in anything less than 100 units. You know, and there are a lot of, you know, the more, and I'm not using the SEC term sophisticated, you know, the dictionary term, there's more of the sophisticated investors out there that have their own criteria. And it's usually not the, the 26 unit or, or the 32 unit. So there's, there's a lot of give and take in there as well. You know, um, you know, if, if you go over after the 50 unit, a lot of the institutional companies, you know, a lot of the, the experienced syndicators aren't going to touch that stuff. So it's easier for the newer guy to get in on that one. And that's why the broker sent it to you. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're going to be, like you said, maxing out your friend and family to get that first deal. Yes, sir. So, and it's, um, and always it's, it's new, right? You do new yeah. stuff. Everything is scary. I would say every step in the first deal mm-hmm. that I, I was scared, excuse my language, I scared uh, shitless. Like, yep. Every step of the way, right? From the oh, the broker called me back, uh, or broker sent it to me. Like, what do I do? Yeah. And then writing an LOI, touring, and every step is terrifying. And then it's like, and then it's not. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it's just not. It's not like oh, it lingers away. It's you do it. You're like that wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. And the more of that you do, you just kind of gain confidence that you can overcome the next obstacle. Mm-hmm. And I've also told myself, hey, this is part of it. If I can't figure out these steps to get this done, it's nothing new. Other yeah. people do it. This is uh, this is how you play the game. And if you yeah. want to be in it, this is part of it. Yeah, it's it's part of it. Be be uncomfortable. Start doing things you're not used to, and um, you'll you'll eventually be used to doing it. Um, I yeah. remember six million dollar deals used to used to scare me. You know, anything above five million at one point used to scare me because it was like, now, now we're going to have to raise closer to 2 million. Oh my goodness. I don't think I could do that. You know? And it's, it's interesting. The more, the more, the more you're around people to do it, the more that you're looking at deals like this, the more comfortable you get with those bigger numbers and the more realistic it becomes at, you know, being able to tackle the larger deals. I mean, you obviously have to be able to raise the capital. You obviously have to be able to, you know, bring, you know, sponsors and attract the right people to come in with you. But yeah, I, I like how you said that you you get used to it. You get out of your comfort zone and uh, you keep on falling forward and you keep on, you know, pushing your own limits. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the process from, from contract to close, um, you know, you, you did mention a little bit about raising capital, but uh, were there any really big hitches or any big um, lessons learned along the way? Um, yes, you have to order the title survey right away. <laughs> uh, no, there's just learning. I would say more learning stuff. Yeah. Um, 
It's much different. I was, I'm a real estate agent too, and it's completely different. Um, especially buying in Florida, you're using lawyers to buy apartment buildings. You're not used like negotiating just the stuff yourself. Um, I would say one area I was not, I probably wasn't as prepared for was the negotiating. There's a lot more give and take. Um, it's not just that was the contract. Yep. There's a lot more, hey, can we do this? And then yeah. it's, yeah, we can do that. Everybody's kind of working towards the common goal. It's so much less subjective, Yeah, which is refreshing. If, we, um, we, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. We wrote into our contract that we, like, all right, due diligence starts when we receive all these documents. Mm-hmm. And with the smaller properties, mom and pop run, it was definitely uh, like pulling teeth, trying to get all of the stuff we needed. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just us, right? Insurance and uh, lenders need stuff too. But that's something that pushed us back farther than we thought mm-hmm. and um, was kind of more worried than anybody else was. But everybody's like, yeah, it's uh, it's happening. It's just yeah. moving along like this. Yeah. You know, as long as you're reasonable in your requests, you know, you're going to be okay, you know, and um, a lot of times when you get towards that, the contract deadline, I think what most sellers are worried about is that they keep on getting strung along and not closing. But if you're, if, if, if everybody's confident that you're going to be able to close, you can usually work through that, you know, fairly easy. And, and most sellers are fairly reasonable if, you know, you look like you're going to close, you know, if, if you're a hot mess and you're, um, all over the place, you know, you might get a seller that's just like, I'll just take your earnest money and we're going to put this back on the market, you know, but uh, yeah. yeah, it happens. But yeah, being professional gets you a long way and being nice, right? You, yep. you don't have to be, you can just be, uh, be yourselves. You don't have to be a hard ass and put your foot down and take things personal. Like if sellers are dragging their feet, yep. maybe they're disorganized. Yeah. Maybe they're on vacation. Maybe they're sick. You know, I mean, um, yeah, there's, there's lots and lots and lots of reasons for that. But, uh, um, you know, we, we try to turn on documents 24 hours. That's, that's kind of our own policy is, you know, once somebody asks you for something, you, you drop everything to be able to try to, you know, produce whatever the document it is within 24 hours, but not everybody's always on the same timetable. And, uh, quite frankly, I think when you're dealing with mom and pops, a lot of the documents that you want, they just don't have, you it know, just, yes. it's, it's like, I, I don't even know what that is. You know, you know, it's like, okay, but uh, um, exactly. oh, go, go back to one thing that you, you mentioned. Uh, you said you have to order the title survey up front um, on our first deal. I, I had a mentor was in a mentorship program and, you know, probably about a month, month and a half in, he's like, did the title survey come back clean? And I'm like, the, what? It's like the title survey. I'm like, okay, um, I'll get right on that. You know, and um, yeah, same thing. I mean, fortunately in, in this case, um, it didn't delay closing, but the title survey came back and it wasn't, they, the, the, they found an issue and we had to clear it up. But uh, you know, like I said, it didn't delay co- closing, but that's one of those things where um, it could have. And we just closed on a property as a seller where that title survey came back and found something that did delay closing. So it, it is what you mentioned earlier, I just want to point out is actually a really good tip. I think you you glossed over it, but you know, we've had a couple of situations where what comes up on that title survey has impacted closing. 
Absolutely. I so. similar situation. I um we I we got the the prelim in and I was like checked it off the the my due diligence mm-hmm. doc list of oh we got the title and then my mentor is like hey how's the how's the survey and I was yep. like oh send I was like oh I'll send it over he's like this is not the survey yeah. I was like oh yeah 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 <laughs> so, it works out but I would say that was probably our biggest mess up. All right. All right. Um, how, how's the, the lending gone? Cause that, that can often be the trickiest part to navigate. That is, uh, so lending has been solid. We, we were able to, um, get in contact with a couple of good mortgage brokers. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with paying broker fees because, yep. um, especially in what we're doing, we're doing more value add plays right now. Mm-hmm. We're using bridge loans. So it's not just the, the agencies, which are pretty consistent, right? Yep. Um, but so we found a couple of good debt products. I, I finally selected a broker that I was going to look through. Um, David, my, one of my partners selected a broker and we both kind of compared what they gave us. We ended up going with the guy, uh, I brought forward just cause they were similar products, but just a little similar or differences. Yeah. Right. And it's been solid. Um, we did get a, we're kind of negotiating uh, right now on our, right. There's huge rate bump recently. Mm. And uh, what we're feeling is they got a little scared, bumped it up. And now we're going to be able to get it down again. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, did you guys opt to pay like a loan cap insurance or anything like that? Or did you guys let it ride and wait to see what happens? So we did, we paid a cap, but they pretty much were like, sorry, they, uh Yeah it's too big. Like they've, and we were, I understand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they went from a point to where now they're losing money and they can't lose money. Exactly. And, and I mean, mortgage rates were kind of dangerously low for the last mm-hmm. two years and it's, uh, it's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Getting, yeah. it's like, Oh, getting a bridge loan at 6.5 is, uh, that's a, that would have been a screaming rate in the, in 88. So three, three years ago, a bridge, I mean, bridge products were six, you know, our, our first property, we, we bought it at a four, nine, two, and that was 2019. It was mid 2019. I mean, first half of 2019, it was normal to pay, to get a 5% loan on agency, you know, and that's, uh, yeah, so yeah we, we've had a couple of years where, you know, rates were extremely low and, you know, a lot of people were able to take advantage of it, which, um, Personally, I hope rates come back down because I want to take more advantage of low rates. Absolutely. I mean, it's the closer you get to 2%, it's free money. I we were seeing, I think I saw there were some bridge products out there like 399 mm-hmm. last year. And it's like, that's a normal mortgage. Why would you ever, why would you go with an agency loan? We got two bridges at three sevens last year. And it's a... Uh, yeah. So but yeah, they're hell. It's a healthy number, right? Even yeah. at seven percent, it's what it makes you more honest, right? Is it really a deal or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and we had always in our preliminary underwriting, I had much higher mm-hmm. based on what I saw. I was doing it based on what I had seen in single family bridges, mm-hmm. and then uh, initially was pleasantly surprised by a lower rate, and now we're at basically what we're expecting. Yeah. And interestingly, there, there was a point, and I think we're back to normal, but there was a point where it was that the rates on a, a Fannie Freddie were actually lower than a rates on a single family owner occupied purchase conventional loan. So, you know, it's one of those things that makes you scratch your head a little bit, but uh, anyway, that's debt markets are interesting right now, but uh, anyway, so you're, you guys are going to be closing soon. Um, 
any, so let, let's, let's talk about this. You know, what advice would you give, you know, somebody who's say six to 12 months behind where you're at right now? I would say go 50 units and above and start. I mean, uh, the advice, I had great advice, uh, the Michael Blank programs who I did my mentorship mm-hmm. with, small little plug there, but they say pick a throwaway market and start working there and mm-hmm. honestly do it because you can learn if you love a market and you're like, this is where I want to invest. Mm-hmm. Don't mess up. Um, the commercial real estate brokers are a small community, especially the producers, mm-hmm. even in a large MSA. And so don't mess up there, uh, pick a city and then just write those LOIs, make those phone calls, have people hang up on you, tell you're not experienced enough and you'll figure it out. Um, It's people are professional. And and along the way, it's probably the most accepting and helping and supportive community I've found in the professional world is is the multifamily game. And uh, go on LinkedIn, be like, hey, I'm doing this. Does anybody have advice? Somebody will find you. Join some join groups, just self-educate the heck out of yourself. And it's, it's a simple turnaround. It'll one year, your life will be completely different. You can buy apartment, like from the day you decide, Hey, I want to buy apartments one year later, like you'll have the skill knowledge ability. If you dedicate yourself to, to go, and do you it. may even have an apartment too. I you mean, may even have an apartment or two or two. Yeah. For, for me, I think from when I I also did Michael Blanc coaching by the time the one year coaching program was up, we had three, you know? So, I mean, I, I had decided to do it probably six months prior. So it really depends on when you hit the stopwatch. I think one year is, is probably average for people who decide to do it and really commit, you know? So um, one year is about average. Some people are faster, some people are slower, but uh, yeah, I appreciate that. So what's next for you? Absolutely. This is so exciting. Um, mm-hmm. So I met just through doing what I'm doing, right? Um, being out there, letting people know what I'm doing. Um, I had a, a gentleman who owns a large company in my area, Pacific Grove, Monterey Peninsula, reach out to me. Who's uh, he, They do commercial construction. And so we've, long story short, we've partnered up and we're looking to um, buy some larger projects. Mm-hmm. But we are offering on a 418-unit building um, up in the Bay Area mm-hmm. that we are extremely excited about because mm-hmm. well, Bay Area, California or Bay Tampa Bay? Bay Area, California, actually. Okay. Of, course, of course, I'm moving. And now yeah. we find um, it's something you always hear, right? I've even made videos saying don't invest in California, New York. Yep. But like we also talked about with the expenses is at a certain level, a certain amount, the, the revenue is going to cover those expenses and those pitfalls, mainly, right? Legal in California is something that'll get you taxes, insurance. But uh, with this project we found, it's uh, it's looking like it's going to be a really great deal. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, I have said, I don't want to, I don't want to invest in California. And I'm sure the people in California who are investing are just laughing all the way to the bank thinking, man, I'm so glad nobody likes to invest <laughs> in California, but uh a um, lot, lot of goodness there. So, well, hey, thanks. Thanks a whole lot. Actually, one more question for you, and then we're going to open it up to questions from our group. But uh, how can listeners learn more about you? Absolutely. I make myself super accessible. Uh, I would say LinkedIn, I'm most active on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody J. Dolan, you'll find me on there. Instagram, it's at Cody J. Dolan. Mm-hmm. Where else? 
I have a Twitter at Dolan Cap, but mainly LinkedIn, Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm super responsive. I love talking real estate with people. I think you can schedule meetings with me too. So yeah, yeah, reach out, come find us. Okay. And we'll put links to all that in the show notes to his profiles. And if you're going to, you know, hand type it in, it's Cody with a T, you know, not Cody with a D, but uh, Cody J. Dolan, um, look him up and, and connect with him. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot for coming on the show and uh, very much appreciate your time. Absolutely, Brian. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already, and then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.